How many of you are familiar with this extreme sport known as kite surfing? Kite surfing. Some call it kite boarding. It's basically where you're on a surfboard and you're attached to this huge kite. They actually, you fit your feet into a uh, to fittings on a surfboard, and then you have this huge kite that's attached to your body by a harness. And as I was thinking about this sermon, I was thinking about how that is a great picture of what a life lived with God looks like. I mean, if you're thinking about metaphors, this is a great metaphor. You think about it. You're kind of just going along, surfing along on just the waves, catching a little air once in a while, but you're surfing along, and then all of a sudden, that kite catches this updraft, and you're just shot way up into the air, way above the waves, right? It's a picture of what it's like when God shows up and does something that only God could do. Maybe it was his inspiration that he gave to you on something that you were wrestling with, or maybe it was a blessing that you recognized that Surely this was God. Or maybe it was his grace and you experienced it for the first time. Or maybe it was in a key moment in your life where you, you felt like you were covered by the love of God, that unconditional love. And it was in that. It was so great and so significant, you were overwhelmed by it. We sometimes call those things mountaintop experiences. It's significant. It's greater than, than just normal life. It's so significant that you're never quite the same after. And I've been listening to a lot of your stories. And I can only tell you that for many people in this church, more than has been this God-given mountaintop experience. It's changing hearts. It's changing lives. It's changing perspective. When God told Moses <clears throat> that he was being drafted to lead this group of slaves out of Egypt as their leader, Moses said categorically, I'm not your guy. Now think about it. God is talking to Moses and Moses is pushing back against the creator of the universe. And he says, I'm not your guy. In Exodus, the first chapter, Verses 1 and 2, we read this. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to, what, or listen to me and say, Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Moses was holding the typical walking stick or a shepherd's staff. Pictured something probably like this. And God told him at one point in their conversation to throw that staff on the ground. And when he did, it became a snake. And then he told him to grab it by the tail. And when he did, it became the staff again. God said to Moses, you just have faith to obey what I ask of you. And I'll take care of the rest. Well, that staff played a key role in a number of really significant moments in the life of the people of Israel. When they found themselves pressed by the Egyptian army against the Red Sea, Moses walked out into the waters of the sea and he held up that staff. And all of a sudden the waters parted and they made their escape through the center of that sea. It was later that 
Moses and the children of Israel found themselves needing water. And Moses took that staff and he hit a rock. And out of that rock flowed water, survive, helping the Israelites to survive. That staff, it's just a stick, if you will, was there and was instrumental in some very significant moments in the life of the Israelites. In a little bit, we're going to have a part of our service where we're going to be bringing these commitment cards. And uh, to be honest with you, you've probably seen these if you've been here over the last few weeks. Um, we have hundreds of them still if you would like some. It's a simple piece of paper with a few words and numbers written on it. And it's, and it's just, it'll be placed in this pretty mundane envelope with your gifts and pledges. And we'll collect all those in just a little while. And you think about it, this is kind of like, in a way, that staff of Moses. Nothing, nothing overtly fabulous or great about this. It's just, it's simple, but it can be used for great things. Now, if you're brand new here and you're going, what did I just walk into? I want you to know that we've been on a journey where we're trying to eliminate debt so we can release resources to be used for ministry. And God's been working on our hearts and moving in some phenomenal ways. And I'm so honored that you're, you've chosen to be with us today. But I want you to know that there is no pressure at all, not at all, that you would participate. But if you're a Northeast owner or a regular attender, I hope you feel no pressure either. But I hope you will participate. Now, if you've already made a commitment, and some of you have, all right, I don't want you to miss out on what's going to happen at the end of this service. So I want you to fill one of these out, just like you did previously. And then right across here, duplicate, so we don't charge you double. But right on that duplicate, and then I want you to come later and participate. I'd like to ask you to take this card and hold it if you have one. One of you, if you're in a couple, and one of you can hold it, the other can. I want you to hold it, because as I talk about this message, I'm going to use, I'm going to talk a lot about this card. I want to ask you a simple question, the same question God asked Moses. What's in your hand? What is this, actually? You know, when Moses looked at that staff, he said, it's just a staff. And before long, he saw how miraculous that simple staff could be. What is this card? This card is a demonstration first of love. Probably the very first Bible verse that most of us learned was John 3.16. says that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son for us. God loved, so God gave. And whenever we love someone, giving is always a part of it. And you know, when you love someone, giving actually is kind of easy. 
Ephesians 5.2 says, live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A life of love is a life of generosity. I love giving to the people who I love. I truly do. Yet some people will try to convince themselves and even those around them that they can love without giving, but Jesus models the truth that we actually love by giving. We've been really blessed with some uh, amazing videos during this series, and uh, certainly the, the final in this installment explains why we give, that love is the catalyst of that. And I want you to just take a minute and watch this uh, very short video. The question is, what motivates people to take extraordinary steps in order to give? You think about it for a minute. What motivates those who've decided to give to even go further and give more? And it's not pressure, and it's not guilt. It's love. It's love for Jesus, our Lord, and it's love for others who will be drawn closer to God through the efforts of Northeast Christian Church by what we do through more than. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action. The card that you hold in your hand is a demonstration of love. Secondly, that card is a statement of your trust in God. One thing that has inspired me during this entire initiative is seeing people trust God with their finances and with their future. Many years ago, I, was, I worked with a guy at South and Christian who told me about his grandmother. And he told several of us about how she lived on just 20% of her fixed income. It, my, my, it just blew my mind. And I said, how's that possible? And he explained that she had this big garden that she would plant every year and she would tend it. And then she would, she would bring the harvest in and she would freeze stuff and she would can stuff. And she would live on that all year long. And she truly lived a frugal life and to, to the point that she was able to actually live on around 20% of this fixed income. It was remarkable. Because she was able to give 80% to kingdom purposes. She supported her church, but she also supported all these missionaries all around the world. And when you think about that, you reach a point like that where you literally are trusting God to provide for your housing or your food or for your clothing, that's the real deal. That's living by faith. Yet most of us want to acquire enough that we don't have to live by faith, if you think about it. 
Because we kind of freak out when we're not sure how we're going to pay that electric bill or where the next meal is going to come from. But a man who was a man of wisdom, he prayed in Proverbs, the 30th chapter, verse 8, and he simply said, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. One reason we're able to trust God is because we know God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. We know this by what we've learned from the Bible and through past experiences where we or others have walked by faith and we saw God at work. And those moments, they grew our faith. For some of you, that's been through this five weeks of more than. You've seen God stretching you. I had one of those moments just a month ago, uh, two months ago, excuse me. It was, in an, it was on an afternoon that I had been trying to accomplish something for over a year. Over a year, I had noticed how badly the outside of our building looked. It needed to be washed, I thought. It was just pressure wash, right? But one of our staff said, no, nah, I think it needs to be painted. I knew that was way more, paint's more expensive than water. I knew that. And so we had several discussions, but there weren't any affordable solutions. We just didn't have the money to invest in it. Yet, God had another plan. And he presented it to me on a Tuesday afternoon, out of the blue, September the 24th. I received a phone call from Steve West, who's one of our Northeast owners. And he is a Serta Pro franchisee. And they have a phenomenal business, recognize all these awards nationwide. He called me and he said, um, hey, I've got this huge crew that I've been putting together. And they're waiting to start two huge corporate contracts. And he said, I need work for them. And he said, I heard that you guys might need, your building, need the building painted. And so I wondered if you'd be interested in having my team come over and paint the outside of your building. <laughs> I don't know a lot about this, and I don't spend a lot of money around here without a couple other people weighing in, but I thought, I said, I need to get some uh, buy-in from some other folks, and so I got Steve Smith on the phone, and, and then uh, he, Steve said to me, he said, this is a no-brainer if you think about it, and I think he was right. He said if Northeast would just cover the cost of the paint, he'd cover the cost of all the labor. We'd cover the cost of the man lifts that were needed. And this would save us somewhere around 25000 or more. And you can see the difference that it made. Look how great the building looks. It's not about that. It's not about the building. It's about what God did. We couldn't do that. Think just for a minute God blessed Steve and his company with two significant corporate jobs. And so he had to get all these painters together, and he had to pay them, whether they were painting or not. So he found out we were thinking about it, and he calls us and says, maybe we could help, and they did. Steve brought his crew over here, and they refreshed our building. And in a way, we saw God work. And that refreshed us. God is good all the time, friends. All the time. God is good. We can trust him because of who he is. 
Scripture teaches that God is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. and He's omniscient, which means he knows everything. And he's omnipresent, which means he's present everywhere. And a God like that is able to do much, much more than you and I could even ever dream of. The truth is, though, it's terrible to not have resources. It's hard. Life is hard when you don't have a lot. And that's the reason why we've partnered. Giving 10% of this offering is going to go to Psalm 82.3, Liberty Elementary. We want Psalm 82.3. We want to help these orphans in that orphanage in Liberia, Africa. And we want to help Liberty Elementary, because there are some kids over there who are significantly under-resourced, and we want to make a difference in their lives as well. Not to mention the Refuge for Women and Natalie Sisters, because it's hard to do ministry when you don't have enough. Life's hard when you don't have enough. But there's also a danger in having too much. And the more you get, the more tempting it is to trust in your wealth. Faith in God can be squeezed out in moments like that. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, whoever trusts in the, his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive. What is in your hand? It's a testimony of your trust in God. Some of you are using more than to make a strong statement about your growing faith in the Lord. How do we show our faith? Well, some of you through this experience may have realized that you have a lot of stuff. And so you've decided you're going to downsize a little bit. And as a result, you're going to sell some of those things and give it to God or invest it somewhere. Some of you will stretch your faith by increasing your tithe. You've been tithing for a long time, but you're going to, you're going to take a step and advance that. There might even be a few in here that say, you know what? I was inspired by that grandmother. I'm going to double my tithe. And there are even some who will take the steps for the very first time in their lives to give that 10% to God right off the top and start tithing. That card in your hand is a demonstration of faith. That card is also an opportunity to learn how to sacrifice when the Apostle Paul was in prison for preaching about Jesus, the church in Philippi sent him a gift. After he had received it, he wrote this about what, they, what he had received. He said, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. I think it makes God happy to see a sacrifice. That's why it may have taken some of us a few steps to finalize our more than commitments. It could take a while to prayerfully reach a sacrificial level of giving. I want you to listen to a few of the stories that have just blown me away over the course of this, just this last week. If you were here last Sunday, you saw one of the most incredible moments that I've ever witnessed in 30-plus years of ministry, as I watched our kids and our students give their offerings. They walked across this stage in a parade of kids, joining their offerings together in this powerful image. 
I was sitting down here in the first service, and as I was watching, I found myself just being overcome by emotion. And I thought, who thought it was a good idea to preach after this? And then I thought, I think that maybe it was my idea. Maybe I should just keep it to myself. Our kids last Sunday gave an offering of $2,343.68. Yeah. And our children's staff said, hey, we're not sure we're done yet. And I said, wow, that's just awesome. But that's only part of the story because these kids were doing things in order to earn the money. They didn't just shake down mom and dad. We heard about a family who did a, a yard sale so that their kids could participate in more than. And another family that had a bake sale in their neighborhood so their kids could do this offering. There's another story that happened last, last Sunday. Our CFR coach, a guy by the name of Mark, Mike, excuse me, Kokolowski was here. Mike's been a great cheerleader for us and a great friend of this church. And he's been the guy that's been helping us steward us through this entire initiative. Mike has the distinction of being the person who gave us the very first gift to this offering. Long before we had even begun to have our first meeting, we had dinner over at Bonefish here in Hamburg. And Mike said, hey, before we do anything, I want you guys to know how committed I am to this. And he gave us a check for $2,500. And he said, this is not CFR money. This came from my wife, Mary Ann, and I. And he said, we want to be the first people to invest in what God is doing here. Well, I mentioned last Sunday, Mike and Mary Ann were actually here. They were in the first service. They sat right over here. And Mike said that he was really, he was deeply moved by what he saw. He said that during the children's offering, he noticed this one little girl in a colorful dress. She came with this beaming smile and dumped her offering jar into the big, the, the, to the big jug. And then he said she skipped off the stage. He said, I, I leaned over to my wife and I said, that is the picture right there. The perfect picture of a cheerful giver. He said, we were, he came, they came up afterwards and said, we were so moved by that. We're act, we've decided we're going to double our gift. <laughs> oh, these people live in Florida. What is God doing? I don't know. I don't know. But he's doing something. I told you a story about an older lady last week. She's in her 80s. She works every day. And she got her retirement in, uh, installment or her contribution, and she normally puts it in her grandchildren's 529 college accounts, but her grandson doesn't need it because he's getting a full ride, and so she decided to just add that to her more than uh, contribution. She'd already considered making, she'd already decided she was going to make a significant gift. Well, I talked to her last Sunday after the services, and she said to me, she said, you know, you said don't feel pressure or don't feel guilt about this, but I do. And I said, oh, please, if I've said anything that made you feel guilty, please know you're, you're forgiven of that. Please. 
And she said, no, I don't think it's you. I think it's the Holy Spirit. I said, well, in that case, you should listen to him. I said, what, tell me what's going on. And she, she did this thing. She went to see if anybody was around. And then she said, I've got this account that's just full of money. <laughs> and I said, yes. And she said, I think God's telling me to put some of that into this. I said, you know, you do what you think God is telling you to do. I said, I, I got a pretty good feeling that if I preach two or three more sermons, this church is going to own everything you have, lady. <laughs> she laughed. But nothing caught me off guard as much as a text message I got from a dear friend who used to be part of this church. And five or six years ago, they moved away because of a job opportunity. He texted me on Monday and he said, hey, could, I'm going to be in town this week. Would you want to have lunch? And on Monday, I was in bed. I'd gone to the doctor and they said, you need to go and uh, you need to rest and drink lots of fluids. And so I just was in bed and rather than texting him back because I wasn't sure if I was going to be well enough, I called him and I said, here's my situation, maybe Wednesday. And so he said, okay, I'll call you on Wednesday. But he asked me about more than and I, it, it dawned on me, they're on our mailing list, so he was interested in what was going on. Well, I felt well enough to do that lunch on Wednesday, and so I met him, and uh, we had a great time, but I was started to flag a little bit. I was not feeling well, and uh, I grabbed my sunglasses and started to get ready to leave, and he said, hey, I see you probably need to go, and I said, yeah, I'm really not feeling so great now, and he said, I understand. He said... I just wanted you to know that my wife and I wanted to do something for more than. And I said, oh, dude, that's, that's awesome. He said, yeah. He said, um, if you just give me a minute, I'll write the check. And so he did that and handed it to me, and I put it in my pocket. And I drove home, and I, I didn't, didn't look at it until I got home, and I pulled it out. It was a check for $20,000. Yeah. You know, I... I just see, I didn't see any of that. I never saw any of that. When we started this thing, I didn't see any of that. Last story, last, Saturday, last uh, Sunday night, we had a gathering of our leaders together, and we had a banquet, and the, the whole point was we're going to make lead gifts to set the example as leaders for this church, and the group was our staff and our elders and some teachers, uh, finance team members, and then the more than team. And this, this evening was amazing. We met together, we made our gifts, and then we totaled it all up. And there were about 32 giving units total in that group, individuals, couples, families. And uh, all those that participated put it all together, and the total of offerings and commitments was $419,956.70. That was incredible. I mean, I, I don't know what I expected, but I was blown away by it. And by the end of the evening, as we were kind of winding down and, and getting ready to leave, somebody came up to me and said, Hey, I just want you to know that uh, 
Somebody paid for this entire dinner. See, we had a budget and we knew we were getting the dinner at half the price and then the benefactor who was giving it to us at half the price decided to give it to us for free. Now, why does that matter? CFR told us we'd need a budget of about 40000 to cover the cost of printing and mailing and the banquet and all of these things. And we said, we think we can do it for less than that. We think we can do it for 20000 And you know when it was all said and done? We have spent a little over $1,600. God's been doing that all the way through this thing. I can't explain it to you other than people have been remarkably generous and God has opened doors that we never knew were going to be open. The card that you hold in your hand is a demonstration of sacrifice. And there's one more thing about that card that you're holding. That card is a predictor of Northeast's future and your future also. Here's a sobering thought. God works through us, but only to the degree we allow. I want you to think about that. When we're gone and the next generation discovers Northeast, what they find will directly correlate to how determined we are to leaving a great church behind. What will they say? Will they conclude that we were more devoted to ourselves, you know, our own, our own stuff and our retirements and our own personal pursuits and our own creature comforts? Or will they see that we were devoted to maximizing the redemptive potential of this church? Will they be inspired by our vision or will they just say, no big deal? If I'm privileged to get to serve here at Northeast for another 10 years or so, I can tell you that what I hope for when I retire. What I want is for Northeast to be a church that is alive and vibrant, increasing the population of heaven on a regular basis and making disciples that make disciples. I want the vital signs of Northeast to be growing healthier and stronger with every passing year. I want this church to always be relevant to the next generation and then the generation that comes after that and then the next. God is willing to see this happen, I believe, with all my heart. Jesus said the church was created to prevail and to conquer. In fact, Jesus said, At the, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But the degree to which Northeast prevails and thrives, in large part, is in our hands. This card. Let me explain it to you real quickly. The first blank on this part of the card is for prayer. We know prayer changes things. Sometimes it changes God's mind. Most of the time it changes ours. But here's the thing. For the next 25 months, I want to invite you to join me in praying that God will unite this body and he will do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And all you have to do, even if you don't fill out any other part of this, this card, fill your name in and everything and then say, you can count on me to pray. I'll pray for the next 25 months. The next blank is what we call a kickoff gift. You've heard us talking. We're trying to take the biggest offering we've ever taken as a church today. And that offering 
will make an immediate impact on the interest that we pay tomorrow. So far, we've already eliminated close to $25,000 in interest we won't have to pay. We want to see that number go up. So that's cash, check, online giving, whatever you're going to do today. Just put that number in there. And then the commitment line. It's the third one. The commitment line. This is a pledge, a weekly or a monthly gift that you're going to do over the course of the next 25 months. Ann and I make, are making a kickoff gift, but we're also doing a personal pledge. Because we want to be part of this through the entire process. This is a, you can flip this card over and you'll see there's some examples of what can happen. And you can see that even a relatively small pledge can make a significant difference. So you fill in what your pledge is going to be if, if you total it all up. And then the last line there is the non-cash gift. People have already donated things that of value, things like jewelry. You can donate real estate. You can donate stocks. You can donate vehicles, items of value. And you just list what it is down there and then estimate the value of it. And then the last box is where you total those things up. And then you sign it at the bottom and you put whatever your gift is today in this envelope with this card and you seal it up. Remember that the more than gift is over and above your regular giving. The Bible doesn't teach us that our financial gifts get us into heaven. You'll never read that in there. But it does teach us that our financial gifts will bring thanksgiving to God. And I don't know about you, but I want the life I live to bring glory and honor to the Lord. I want him to be blessed by what I do and by what I give. In 2 Corinthians 9, 11, we, Paul writes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And that is my hope for you. That you will see that no matter what you do, you cannot outgive God. So as we give today and pledge to give over the next 25 months, it's my prayer that our gifts will result in a thanksgiving to God. You see, in my hand, I hold the opportunity to show myself trustworthy and faithful with financial things and an opportunity to bring glory to God. And so do you. So do you. Let's pray. Lord, I am so thankful that we are at the threshold of this day of commitments. As we've talked about these cards, they're there's really nothing unique or special about them. They're just a tool that we can use to express our love and show our faith in you and, and to, to testify to the sacrifice we're willing to make. And it, it's also a, a barometer of our future. God, will you take these gifts, will you take these pledges and use them? And may they be a true blessing to you, Lord. And God, will you do what only you can do, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine for your glory. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.